Hello, welcome back to Really Recovering. I'm Molly, and this is my podcast where I talk about really recovering from my eating disorder. So in today's episode, I wanted to talk about pretty much like everything to do with hunger and fullness cues. Extreme hunger, lack of hunger, fullness cues, how to get them back, intuitive eating, gentle nutrition, everything. Um, And this is just because I've tried to like split all of those topics up into little chunks to make them each their own episode and every time I do I just end up using information from like the other episodes and I thought it would be better to just have like one big episode even if it's a little longer to talk about all of the hunger fullness things that come with like having an eating disorder and being an eating disorder recovery so that way even if the episode is longer I could just have it all in one place and I wouldn't publish a bunch of episodes that might get a little redundant. So yeah, before I like delve into things, I do want to give like a quick content warning. I am going to be talking about things to do with eating disorders and eating disorder recovery. This episode should be pretty tame. I'm not really going to get into specifics or any numbers or anything, but if at any time during this episode you feel that what I'm saying is not necessarily conducive to your journey, please feel free to click off. I have a couple other episodes already up on my page, so you can check those out, or if this podcast isn't for you, no shame, no judgment, please feel free to go do something that's better for your mental health. Hunger. Oh my gosh, for something so simple and like so necessary to keep us alive, you would think that it would be easy to like understand, but it's it's really not simple when you have an eating disorder because... I mean, eating disorders are kind of all about, like, ignoring that natural hunger fullness cue inside of you and kind of, like, relying on external things to, like, dictate when and what and how you should eat. And so part of, like, recovery is A, getting hunger fullness cues back, and B, like, learning to listen to them and honor them unconditionally so that way you can move towards fully, like, intuitive eating. I like to look at hunger fullness kind of like, I feel like it goes in like different phases. At least that's how I experienced my hunger fullness cues in my recovery. And I'm not saying these phases are like linear and like have to go exactly in this order. I think it can definitely like jump around a little bit, but that's kind of like how I like to categorize things in my brain. So that's how I'm going to be kind of categorizing this episode as well. So I guess, like, the first phase is just, like, a complete lack of hunger fullness cues. And this can happen for a lot of reasons, but I think the biggest reason is this idea that, like, when you engage in an eating disorder behavior, there's, like, a little underlying, like, genetic code in your brain that gets unlocked whenever there's, like, a perceived famine. So basically, like, the theory is that, like, a long, long time ago, like, back in caveman times, like, when there was a famine, there were some people with a little code in their brain that would, like, wake them up and, like, tell them to eat less and move more so that way they could, like, sustain life during the famine and not, like, die of starvation and also, like, begin to migrate to a place where there, like, isn't any famine. And because of this and because you're, like, inadequately eating, your brain decides to, like, shut your hunger fullness cues off because obviously, like, it's really hard to, like, focus on like migrating to a place where there's no famine if you're like 
so hungry that that's all you can think about and obviously to like a certain extent like there will always be mental hunger in eating disorders but the physical hunger signals definitely do get like quieted down a little bit and that makes like perfect sense from like an evolutionary standpoint however i think we as humans are lucky enough to live in an environment now where like for a lot of people like famine is just like not an issue it definitely like is for like people in third world countries and for food deserts and so i don't want to like diminish that but like for most people in the western world famine is like not a concern but anyways that's how your hunger fullness cues can kind of get shut off and then for some people this carries on throughout like most of weight restoration and again this is just due to like your brain still thinking you're in famine even when you are you know eating enough food to weight restore and it also has to do with like your gi tract like there can be like a lot of like gi complications when you first start eating again on top of like fullness that include like bloating and like constipation and just like this sensation of like getting full really really fast which again is like partly due to that famine response and partly due to like the way my dietitian and treatment explained it was like your gi tract is a muscle and when you use muscles they get stronger and when you don't use them they get weaker so when you're engaging in an eating disorder like you're not actively like using your gi tract as much as you should be because again there's you're not like eating enough food to like properly digest your food so like your small intestine gets weak your large intestine gets weak sometimes even your stomach gets weak and that's where you can kind of experience a lot of that gi discomfort because it is slow to digest that food and you can feel a sense of fullness really soon because your body knows that it's going to be slow to digest that food but again this is temporary the more you like continue to eat an adequate amount the more your body will adjust another phenomena that occurs once you start adequately eating enough that i feel like definitely does get talked about a lot in the eating disorder recovery community and that is extreme hunger not everyone experiences extreme hunger and it doesn't you don't have to just experience extreme hunger in the beginning of your recovery although that is probably the most common time that people do experience it but i going back to that famine response i like to think of extreme hunger as like the feast in response to the famine so like when your hunger levels are low like you're still like actively or like your brain still thinks you're actively like in a famine and you're migrating and if you were like living in caveman times you would finish your migration and end up in a place where there's an adequate amount of food and then the famine would be over or it's basically like your brain and your body both know that you have been lacking sufficient nutrients for however long the famine's been going on and so your body tries to like compensate for that by sending you a lot of hunger signals to get you to eat enough to make up for the nutrients that you were missing. And that's actually why a lot of people in extreme hunger tend to notice that when they're experiencing extreme hunger, they are hungry for the things that they most restricted in their eating disorder because those are the kinds of things that their bodies haven't been getting. And again, because a lot of people don't live in environments anymore where like famine isn't really like a concern this extreme hunger response might be delayed or it really only like happens after you like start choosing recovery if that makes sense like and that again that's like if at all because 
we do live in an environment where like food is abundant i think also to the eating disorder extreme hunger is like a really really shameful thing because especially if you're suffering from a restrictive eating disorder like you tend to like pride yourself on like being able to sustain life off of inadequate nutrition and so when your body is trying to make up for the famine and for not getting enough nutrition obviously like there can be a lot of shame with like how much food you might be desiring all of a sudden but I just want to put it out there that extreme hunger is very very normal again doesn't happen to everyone but it happens to a lot of people and no matter what your extreme hunger is telling you that you're craving I promise it's normal and I know a lot of people on social media say to honor your extreme hunger and yes that is the best case scenario like I'm 100% a supporter of honest honoring your extreme hunger fully and without judgment but obviously that can be a lot especially if you are in early recovery it can be hard once you're like hit with this wave of hunger to be like "Mm, yes i'm gonna go honor all of that so i would say the best way to kind of cope with extreme hunger is do your best to honor it unconditionally and do your best to not compensate for extreme hunger if you're working with professionals i would like strongly strongly advise you to tell your professionals about this extreme hunger because then they can try to like work it into your meal plan which for me was a lot easier having a meal plan that like accommodated my extreme hunger because then I didn't feel like I was like honoring my extreme hunger of my own volition which again like is very much like a disordered thought and I'm not like saying that's like right but it was helpful um and it was kind of like a way I could like logic myself into honoring my extreme hunger if it was like prescribed by like a registered dietitian and again another thing I just want to put out there is like please don't take extreme hunger as like a sign to relapse or go back to your eating disorder behaviors because again it is your body just like biologically like trying to get back on track like your body's just out here doing its best man and so then for me like phase three I noticed kind of like after extreme hunger subsided my hunger fullness cues kind of started to return back to normal and again, for some people who don't experience extreme extreme hunger, like, they say their hunger fullness cues kind of, like, started coming back up, like, after they started eating adequately and also were, like, nearly or already weight restored. That is also when I noticed that my extreme hunger started to subside is when I was almost weight restored, like, just, like, slightly before I was weight restored. So again, like, your body knows what the fuck it's doing, like, it knows when it is where it's supposed to be, and it knows when it can kind of calm things down or regulate hunger fullness cues like normal. The only advice I have for getting your hunger fullness cues back to normal is just, like, eating. Like, straight up, like, the, like, there's a saying, like, the only way out is through, and that is, like, so true. Like, there's no way you can stabilize your hunger fullness cues without adequately intaking food and without restoring weight because then that'll tell your body biologically the famine is over you are in a safe environment where food is being adequately provided and it is okay to regulate hunger and fullness like normal and then 
I mean, like, ideally, like, once your hunger fullness cues, like, return to normal, like, you'd be able to start intuitive eating, but I know for a lot of people in recovery, that's, like, still really hard because, I mean, like, the eating disorder, again, has pushed this habit so hard of, like, oh, you need to ignore your hunger, but once you do get to a point of intuitive eating, there is a brilliant book, hold on, it's, it's on my bookshelf, I'm gonna go get it so I can tell you who it's by and like the full title and everything I'll be right back okay so the book is literally called intuitive eating um it is by two registered dietitians Evelyn Tribal Tribole I don't know how to say that and Elise Resch and again they're both registered dietitians and I will say this is not specifically an eating disorder recovery book but it is a very like anti-diet book And it's all about listening to your body and learning how to like fully and unconditionally embrace your hunger fullness cues and like how to intuitive eat. So like if you can get the book, I would highly, highly recommend. But in the book, they have the 10 principles of intuitive eating. I'm trying to find it in the book right now so I can like read them off. Um, Oh my God. Okay, I found it. So... They say that there's 10 principles of intuitive eating. Obviously, like, intuitive eating, like, isn't actually, like, as structured as this book makes it seem. Like, ideally, intuitive eating is just kind of, like, the way you ate when you were, like, a really, really small child or a little baby. Like, you kind of just, like, ate whatever you wanted and ate whatever you sound, like, whatever sounded good. And you didn't really give it a second thought. Like, that is, like, the ultimate goal for, like, intuitive eating. But obviously, if you're like struggling with an eating disorder or again even if you're struggling with just dieting like it's the society we live in kind of like pushes very hard that you should unlearn intuitive eating and so relearning that I like the structure is definitely very necessary but that was like a little tangent I'm gonna read you the 10 principles right now number one reject the diet mentality throughout the diet books and magazine articles that offer you false hope of losing weight quickly easy and permanently Get angry at diet culture that promotes weight loss and the lies that have led you to feel as if you were a failure every time a new diet stopped working and you gained back all the weight. Specifically applying this to eating disorders, I would say like reject the idea that you can shrink yourself and it can be sustainable. Like I think the first principle to intuitive eating is like understanding that like your body has a place where it wants to be and you need to accept that. In no world is your body and your eating disorder like healthy for you. Um, which I can go into in more depth in another episode if you want. And then the second principle is probably the biggest one and like the one that's most relevant to this episode. So I'll probably come back to that later, but honor your hunger. Keep your body biologically fed with adequate energy and carbohydrates. Otherwise, it can trigger a primal drive to like fuck up your hunger cues, basically. Learn to first honor this biological hunger sign and set the stage for rebuilding trust in yourself and in food. And again, this is like the idea that like you are allowed to eat when you're hungry no matter what. I think the eating disorder sets up a lot of rules surrounding like when, what, how, where you're allowed to eat. And just like reminding yourself that like your body knows what the fuck it's doing. I think I've said that like five times throughout this episode, but it, like it's so true. Like your body is such a complex organism that knows how to sustain itself and so like just learning that like your body would not lead you down the wrong path 
your body knows what's best for itself and it knows that it's going to be eating stuff that leads it to function. Principle three, make peace with food. Call a truce, stop the food fight. Give yourself unconditional permission to eat. If you tell yourself that you can or shouldn't have a particular food, it can lead to intense feelings of deprivation. When you finally give in to your forbidden foods, eating will be experienced with such intensity it usually results in last supper eating and overwhelming guilt. They also talk about in this book that like the idea of like last supper eating is like I, like when you place foods on a pedestal and you're like, I have to eat this right now because I'll never eat it ever again. And then the guilt you feel for like, quote unquote, indulging in a food you're quote unquote not allowed to have, which again, you're allowed to have all foods. You're allowed to eat anything you want. The labels of good and bad foods are literally diet culture bullshit that diet culture, like the diet industry has created to sell you their principle four: challenge the food police similar to the last one but scream a loud no to thoughts in your head that declare you're good for eating minimal calories or bad because you ate a piece of cake the food police monitor the unreasonable rules that diet culture has created the police station is housed deep in your psyche and its loudspeaker shouts negative barbs hopeless phrases and guilt-provoking indictments chasing the food police away is a critical step in returning to intuitive eating again food is neither good nor bad your body knows what's knows what it's doing like I, I hate those posts on Instagram that are like, if you're craving chocolate, eat like fish because you need magnesium. Like, no, if I needed to eat fish, I would eat fish. Maybe I'm craving chocolate because I want chocolate. There's a lot more to food than just like the vitamins in it, but food is also like a social emotional experience and your hunger and fullness cues play into that as well. Principle five, discover the satisfaction factor. Japanese have the wisdom to keep pleasure as one of their goals of healthy living. In our compulsion to comply with diet culture, we often overlook one of the most basic gifts of existence, the pleasure and satisfaction that can be found in the eating experience. When you eat what you really want in an environment that is inviting, the pleasure you derive will be a powerful force in helping you feel satisfied and content. And again, I think this is really important as well. And I think specifically like in eating disorder recovery, I know in my eating disorder recovery, it's a big thing to like deconstruct the shame that I have been taught for enjoying food because the diet culture industry kind of like reduces food to like a simple like calories in calories out like not pleasurable experience like it's very mechanical and real like genuine intuitive eating also recognizes and embraces the fact that Food is like a way we connect with people. It's a way we share culture and it's something that is like enjoyable because again, like your body enjoys the feeling of being like comfortably full and satisfied after eating the right thing it wants because that's how it sustains itself and that's how it like functions its best. Principle six, feel your fullness. In order to honor your fullness, you need to trust that you will give yourself the food that you desire. Listen for the body signals that tell you you are no longer hungry and, and observe the signs that you are comfortably full. Again, I think for like normal dieting people, this is just like recognizing when you feel full. But I think in eating disorder recovery, you can take it a step further by like allowing yourself to feel full. Because I know a lot of people feel ashamed of feeling comfortably full because again, you've been teaching yourself for so long that you should be inadequately nourishing yourself. But if you really deconstruct that shame, you'll recognize that like biologically, your body wants to feel comfortably full and you will feel emotionally at your best and physically at your best if you let yourself get to that point. 
Principle seven, cope with your emotions with kindness. First, recognize that food restriction, both physically and mentally, can, in and of itself, trigger a loss of control. Find kind ways to comfort, nurture, distract, and resolve your issues. Anxiety, loneliness, boredom, and anger are emotions we all experience throughout life. Each has its own trigger and each has its own appeasement. Food won't fix any of these feelings. It may comfort in the short term, distract from the pain, or even numb you, but food won't solve the problem. You ultimately have to deal with the source of the emotion. Super, super big one in eating disorder recovery. Like, you just have to recognize that, like, engaging in your eating disorder is a short-term solution, and the only long-term solution is finding other healthy coping mechanisms, which I'm making an episode about missing your eating disorder soon, and I talk a lot about that. Principle eight, accept your genetic blueprint. Just as a person with a shoe size of eight would not expect to realistically realistically squeeze into a size six it is equally futile and uncomfortable to have a similar expectation about body size but mostly respect your body so you can feel better about who you are it's hard to reject the diet mentality if you are critical of your body size or shape all bodies deserve dignity again super important i'm a big fan of acceptance of body weight and body neutrality because kind of like this says it's really hard to honor your hunger fullness if you're trying to shrink yourself into something else principle nine is about movement which isn't really for me it's not really relevant to this episode but it's basically just like move because it makes you feel good principle 10 is gentle nutrition and this is kind of like for a lot of people in eating disorder recovery it's kind of a touchy subject so i'm not going to read the blurb but it's basically i the idea that you can have like a balanced diet that includes like everything so like one day you could have like cupcakes cookies soda literally everything that your brain perceives as bad and if that's all you that you eat for the day that's okay um i'm sorry for giving specific foods if that like triggered anybody but basically the idea that like your body knows what it wants and it'll sort itself out and naturally it'll like desire all forms of nutrition it'll desire vitamins mineral minerals carbs fats protein like it's just natural for your body to want to do that and if like you notice a trend of like there's one specific nutrient or mineral or like that you're like missing out on then like actively including that just to like honor your health yeah (laughs) that wasn't very conclusive but yeah, that's kind of, like, how I see the progression of hunger fullness cues. Um, for me, recovery is really, at first, like, early recovery, like, a journey of, like, recovering. Haha, <laughs> funny wordplay, those hunger fullness cues. And then later, it's learning to listen to them and respect them unconditionally without judgment or shame. Which is, a like, way easier said than done. And I feel like for a lot of people in recovery, like, that takes years of work. Whereas, like, the first part, the actual biological part, can really only take, like, a couple months. But, obviously, I'm not there yet. I'm still in recovery. But I notice myself making progress every day, and I'm very hopeful. And I see people who are fully recovered on the internet all the time who are like, yeah, I I do things, I, like, eat normally all the time. Or, like, my dietitian and my therapist are like, yeah, I, like, don't give a second thought to, like, all the things I eat. I just, I eat, man. A lot of people say that they recover for their inner child and that's also something I do because I know like five-year-old Molly did not give a fuck about what she was eating or what she looked like she just wanted to live her life like 
I have no significant memories in my early life surrounding food because it was just food and I want to get to a place where food is just food and it's not a big part of my life anymore. So yeah, I think I'm going to leave it there. That was, I tried to make that so organized and it really wasn't, but yeah, I will probably edit it and make it sound a little more coherent. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope, I hope you learned a little something, something from it and I will see you next week. <laughs>